Get your fill of baseball news and beer reviews at foulballarea.com. Follow our blog for the latest news around the baseball world and read about some of our favorite ballpark beers. Tune into the podcast every Wednesday as we take a deep dive into the topics of the day. Stay connected by signing up for our mailing list or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Foulball Area. Now, here's today's episode of the Foulball Area Podcast with Matthew Atkins and Trey Lyle. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Foulball Area Podcast. I'm Matthew Atkins alongside Trey Lyle, and we are very excited for another episode as we are going to be talking some baseball over the next couple of minutes, breaking down what's going on around Major League Baseball, maybe getting to some college baseball a little bit today as well as the NCAA season got underway this past weekend. We broke it down last week with Corey Van Dyke talking about Virginia Tech baseball, so we'll get into that a little bit later. But we are very excited to break down what's going on around the world of baseball. Trey, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, excited to see your face, even though it's over Zoom once again, and uh, excited to talk some baseball as we're getting closer and closer to a season in which we will have actual baseball. I mean, obviously college started this past weekend, but uh, actual major league, you know, opening day is getting closer and closer. It is. It is 36 days away we are now from opening day of Major League Baseball. I'm counting down the days. I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to it. The position players just reported to spring training yesterday, so got to see all my favorite guys like Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Dansby Swanson, all reporting to spring training. Freddie Freeman not reporting to spring training yet because his wife and him just had twins, so congratulations to them. He will be delayed from spring training for a little bit, but the rest of the Braves... Yeah, the rest of the Braves players are reporting to spring training. Freddie Freeman will be there a little bit later on. And following along with MLB's social media, they posted pictures of all the big stars. So we've seen Aaron Judge and some of the other Yankees players coming into spring training over the past couple days. So very exciting times around Major League Baseball. And a lot of news to get into as spring training has gotten underway. Probably the biggest thing that we can get into today is Fernando Tatis Jr., signing a 14-year, $340 million contract. He's 22 years old, and he's already locked up for the next 14 years of his life, and he's getting $340 million for it. Can you even imagine that? No, I couldn't. I mean, it was a deal I wasn't surprised about. Maybe I was not surprised. I figured he would get it. Maybe I was surprised at the timing, I would say, but if, like, you asked me, like, Fernando Tatis getting a you know ten plus year three hundred plus million dollar contract in his career. Do you see that? And I would say, yeah, absolutely. He's that that level of player. But this early in his career, it feels like you know guys played what two maybe a season and a half. It's really felt like not even not even really. I mean, yeah, he he all right. He is great. I love Fernando Tatis Jr. I love watching him play. I think he's going to be a great player. But he hasn't even played a whole season because his his rookie year. He missed half the season due to injury, and then last year was the shortened 60-game season. He has not even played a full 162 games yet, and he's already gotten this deal. I think that he will be worth it, but it's just crazy to me that they're giving a player this kind of deal when he hasn't even played a full season yet. What do you think about this compared to other long-term deals? It's They're getting more of it in his prime, to be fair. Like most yeah, of these deals, true. you know, we'll talk about Albert Pujols retiring, 
is playing his last season, but that 10-year deal from the Angels, let's face it, uh, uh, most of that was, you know, not prime Albert Pujols, plain and simple. And they're going to get a lot of Fernando Tatis Jr. prime, and you think where where the uh, Padres are stationed there, they're on the cusp of being, you know, a World Series winning team. And so it makes a lot of sense for one of the best young players in baseball. Obviously, he was on the cover of MLB The Show. And so I get it, and I support it, and it ends the same year as the Bobby Bolina contract ends, which is uh, pretty pretty insane to think about. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the Mets will still be paying him the last year that the Padres are paying Fernando Tatis Jr. I, I just can't imagine being 22 years old, making that kind of money, being at the top of your profession, and living in San Diego to top it all off. I mean, what what a life Fernando Tatis Jr. has right now. I have a better question. Does he live out this contract as a San Diego Padre? I think so. I don't. Really? I think this is I think I could easily see this become a standing thing where like in two to three years the Padres kind of fizzle out and this is a team that's not in the big enough market to sustain all these contracts where they kind of just blow it everything up like the Marlins did and they go in and, and trade Fernando Tatis. I mean, I could see him sustaining it. Absolutely. They have the 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 farm system and the base to do it. But I I if I got thirteen years to work with, I will and the way Major League Baseball works and you see guys like Francisco Lindor get traded. I mean, these small market teams that the Padres happen to fall into I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards he gets traded as at some point in this deal. I, I I probably not two to three years from now, but like five six years from now, like in the middle of that contract, I could see it. I mean, it's certainly possible, and it could be a a, a John Carlos Stanton situation. And you never know with these kind of big contracts. But to your point earlier, they are getting a lot of the the prime Fernando Tatis Jr. And I think that that's what. I know I said that I, it's crazy that he's getting this kind of contract when he's only 22 years old, hasn't even played a full season. But teams are starting to realize that giving this kind of contract to a player that's in their late 20s or 30 years old, that doesn't make sense. We've seen it with Giancarlo Stanton. The Marlins gave him that contract, ended up trading him to the Yankees. We've seen it with Albert Pujols. He signed that contract when he was 30, 31 years old. It didn't pan out. He's really fallen off a cliff in Los Angeles. We've seen it with guys like uh, Prince Fielder, who signed the contract with the Detroit Tigers, played, what, two or three seasons there, and then they traded him to the Texas Rangers. He was never the player that he was in Milwaukee. So these big contracts, these 10-year-plus contracts, they don't pan out when the player is in their late 20s or early 30s. They just don't. So teams have started to see that paying a, a big talent, a generational player, like Fernando Tatis, like Ronald Acuna Jr., when they're young, when they're early in their career, that is what pays off. Now, Tatis' contract has brought up a lot of comparisons to Ronald Acuna Jr.'s contract, and rightfully so, because you look at Tatis, who is a very good player, very young, and getting 14 years, $340 million. Then you look at Ronald Acuna Jr., also a very good player, a very young player, very talented, he got an eight-year, $100 million deal. Very different contracts. A lot of people are criticizing Ronald Acuna Jr. and criticizing his agent for taking that deal. But here's a way to look at it. 
Fernando Tatis is playing in California, a state with one of the highest income taxes in the country. He's going to give up almost half of his contract in taxes. Assuming he plays the whole thing in California. Yes, that's true. Assuming he plays the whole contract in California, he'll give up almost half of that $340 million in taxes. Ronald Acuna Jr., he's in Atlanta. He's in Georgia, a state with one of the lowest income taxes in the country. So he's good there. (laughs) Then Ronald Acuna Jr. also got this eight-year contract when he was, what, 21 years old? So that contract will expire when he's 29. You can get a bigger one. He's gonna Exactly. He's going to get another mega deal when he's 29 years old and reaches free agency. Meanwhile, Fernando Tatis, he won't reach free agency until he's 36 years old. So this is the only big contract he's going to get. Ronald uh, Acuna Jr. I mean, you never who's, know. Who's going like, to give a big contract to a 36-year-old? Depends on how good he is at 36. I mean, I'd give LeBron James a big contract right now, I and guess. he's 36-year-old. Like, I guess. But if you look at it, I'd take the odds Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to get a better contract when he's 29. So, yeah. I mean, there's there's two ways to but, look at it. Yes. You, you look at it like this. He's locked into that money for, the re- for you know, till he's 36. Acuna gets hurt. That's true. That's it's true. It's less secure. So, I, th- I think there's there's pros and cons to both, and this is assuming it's all in California. So, you could get traded to, you know, Texas. He could get traded to Florida. You know, you could he could get traded to Atlanta. Uh, obviously, probably wouldn't do it with Atlanta, but you get my point. Yeah, there's there's definitely a couple if of I'm, ways to you look know, at it. He, if I'm like you know the Texas Rangers and you trade for Fernando Tatis, that that you know it, there's like two hundred million dollars left. Well, he's gonna get you know that two hundred million dollars because there's no state income tax. So yeah. it, it just depends, and I get your point, and I I pseudo agree with it, and I think. You're right. It it, but you know you could also look at the landscape of baseball and is is revenue going to improve that much where you're getting thirty million dollars a year or is it going to keep this decline? Because you know, and how long is it going to take to recover from the pandemic and the effects on the sport? And you know, is the sport growing right now? And we've touched on this a lot. And you know, could could revenue go down? in baseball it's something you know long term that you can see and you know no matter what he's getting that 330 and we'll see what happens a lot of factors a lot of factors (laughs) playing into this decision definitely definitely a lot of factors a lot of ways to look at it but break boils down to congratulations to fernando tatis jr i mean he's getting paid yeah he's he's a great player can you send us some of that money you want (laughs) to we'll make this the fernando tatis podcast and we will literally just talk about Fernando Tatis. We could do that Piss. all day, every day. And it would be jump change, what we would ask for. Some other spring training news, um, some some bad news for a National League East team. Uh, the I think it was the first day of their camp, the Phillies announced that their catcher, JT Realmuto, who they signed to a record-breaking contract in the offseason, has a broken thumb. Not good. Now, they think he's going to just but, be but, out for but, a couple but weeks. chill, bro. Chill, chill. Bryce Harper is yoked. He's uh, yoked. Did you see that photo? I did not. Yeah, so look at highly recommend searching. Bryce Bryce Harper looks like he just took quarantine and just may, had a lot of protein powder and, and looks yoked. We'll see what happens. I think he's going for some home runs this year. But, yeah, big injury for the Phillies. Romuto should be back, I guess, by the beginning of the year. But as a catcher, your thumb, you know, especially if it's glove hand is going to be very important. So we'll, we'll see what happens. 
Yeah, they're hopeful that he will be back for opening day. Said he should just be out for a few weeks. And Joe Girardi hoping that he will be back for opening day. So uh, not good news for the Phillies, but hopefully it's not too serious of an injury. Trey, did you get to watch any college baseball this past weekend? It was opening weekend for the NCAA uh, Division One. I, I saw some highlights, but I didn't watch it. I was uh, home this weekend in in uh, good old Mechanicsville, Virginia. And you uh, didn't spent... tell me? Well, uh, a certain person requested my my appearance at home. Uh, okay. Yeah, All right. I forgot to tell you, too. See how it is. Anyway, a lot of good games this past weekend. Virginia Tech, who we broke down their season with Corey Van Dyke last week on the podcast, they ended up having... Make sure you go listen to it if you haven't. Yeah, make sure to check it out. They ended up having their uh, weekend series rescheduled, and it was a doubleheader on Sunday due to the winter weather in the area. So they played a doubleheader against Kent State on Saturday, and they won both games. Yeah, Kent State was pretty good, but Virginia Tech ended up winning both games, and they're two and zero on the season. Uh, I got watched... a win today uh, against uh, Radford, so that, uh, that was pretty good. I wasn't sure what time that game was, but I guess it's already I over. Like, so, I, all I know is was they had a one inning where they had a three run homer and a grand slam. So, well, that, can't beat that. Yeah, they they, they won big against uh, their New River Valley rival. I would say James Madison. Uh, you know played as well Virginia and I know Liberty you'll you'll touch on those two I guess Liberty went one and two um this past weekend against big south conference favorite Campbell University so got a win on Friday night but then lost the games after that so uh, the Flames here in Lynchburg went one and two this past weekend what about JMU and uh you know probably the best team historically in Virginia in terms of baseball the Virginia Cavaliers yeah, the University of Virginia, they went 2-1 and one on their opening weekend, started the season off pretty well. And James Madison University started off 0-3, but they were playing a pretty tough opponent, North Carolina, uh, in Chapel Hill. So a tough opening series for James Madison. I was mostly interested in this series because Chase DeLauder is one of the most exciting players in the country, in my opinion. I may be a little bit biased because he played in the Rockingham County Baseball League last summer. But he's very fun to watch, and I wanted to see how he did in the opening series against North Carolina. And the RCBL got a shout-out on ACC Network while he was at bat. The Woo! broadcasters were talking about his stats last summer, and they mentioned the RCBL, uh, mentioned it dating back to 1924, and they gave a shout-out to his stats. He put up amazing numbers last year in the league. So Chase DeLauder is a fun player to watch, and... Everyone all across the country should be tuning into JMU games when he's at bat this season. But, unfortunately, they did start the season 0-3. North Carolina is a tough team. So, a good opening weekend in college baseball. I also watched a little bit of Vanderbilt's games yesterday against Wright State. Their games over the weekend ended up getting postponed to Monday. They played a doubleheader against Wright State. Two of the top 10 prospects in the 2021 MLB draft were pitching for Vanderbilt. Kamar Rocker pitched in the first game and Jack Leiter pitched in the second game. Both players were just outstanding on the mound. They're both very fun to watch. Kamar Rocker, I mean, it's almost a consensus that he's going to go number one overall in the 2021 MLB draft. And then Jack Leiter, he was very fun to watch. Both of them were getting very high velocity on their pitches as well, which is it's not too common in college to see a pitcher hit 98, 99 miles an hour. So that was very impressive from Jack Leiter of the Vanderbilt Commodores, and they ended up sweeping Wright State two games in their doubleheader on Monday. So a very fun opening weekend in college baseball. I don't know about you, Trey, but 
without Major League Baseball over the past couple of months, I've been trying to to get into other sports. I've been watching some hockey. I've been watching more basketball. It might also have to do with uh, sports betting becoming legal in Virginia, and I've been betting on those sports as well, so that makes me want to tune in and see how the teams that I'm betting on are doing. But I've just been watching some more sports over the past couple of months without Major League Baseball in action. But now that college baseball is in action, I'm going to try to tune into as much of that as I can because it's just exciting stuff, and it, I'm really looking forward to the, the season getting underway. Yeah, I'm probably more into college basketball than you by a lot. You know, obviously I would say a- so. ACC wrestling tournaments coming up. Me and you will be texting back and forth through that as we both try to find, you know, streams of that. As I, I think I don't have the ACC network. Do you? I do. Yeah, we got Hulu Live, so we get You're the lucky. ACC network. With so that. you can watch it. I don't. So um, that'll be fun. This interesting time. But yeah, I'll be. Uh, March Madness is in the air, so I'll be watching a lot of college basketball and uh, intermittent, probably a little bit of college baseball, but. I'll be neck deep into college basketball and keeping a close eye, I should say, on the college baseball world. All right, Trey, I want to put you on the spot a little bit here. Hit me um, with it. I'm going to nail this, whatever it is. <laughs> All right, so I'm next week I think we should do our top 10 players in Major League Baseball. Okay. But got I'm it. not going to I'm not going to make you do that right now because that would be too difficult. No, but I got it. Here's what we are going to say. Mike Trout <laughs> Blank, I mean, obvious. And then that's it. That's about it. This this past week, MLB Network TV put out their top 100 the top, players. They do a top 150, yeah. They did their top 100. MLB Network Radio, who's my employer, we did our top Disclaimer. 10. <laughs> yes, disclaimer. They are my employer. We did our top 10 by position and then our top 10 overall. So looking at MLB Network TV and MLB Network Radio top 10 overall players. They're almost all the same, except MLB Network Radio has Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story, and DJ LeMahieu in their top 10. MLB Network TV has Anthony Rendon, Christian Yelich, and Cody Bellinger in their can top 10. You, can I guess the other players? Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, Go so ahead. we got Trout. Yes. Betts. Yep. Cole. Uh no, neither neither list had Cole. Wow. Um Tatis. Yep. Freeman. Yep. How many more am I missing? Um you're missing two more. Not uh oh Arenado. No, surprisingly. Raul Muto? No. All right, I'm just thinking of the best player in the best positions. <laughs> Judge didn't make it. I looked at that. Um, oh. This is so hard. There's a lot of players to pick. Did a <laughs> pitcher right, make it? it? Wait, wait. Did yeah. a pitcher make it? Yes, a pitcher did make it on both so top DeGrom? 10 lists. Yep, DeGrom. There you go. Okay. Uh, Cole should have made it there. Um, Seager? No. No. All right. Give me the other two. All right. I'll just give you the list. MLB Network's top 10 players. At number 10 was Cody Bellinger. Number 9, Christian Yellick. Number 8, Anthony Rendon. Number 7, Ronald Acuna Jr. Ah, I forgot Acuna. We talked about him earlier. Number 6, Fernando Tatis Jr. Number 5, Juan Soto. Thank you. 
Uh, number four, Freddie Freeman. Number three, Jacob deGrom. Number two, Mookie Betts. And number one, Mike Trout. It's MLB so- Network Radio Top Sorry. 10. DJ LeMahieu at number 10. Trevor Story at number nine. Number eight is Freddie Freeman. Number seven, Francisco Lindor. Jacob deGrom comes in at number six. Ronald Acuna Jr. at number five. Fernando Tatis Jr. at number four. Juan Soto at number three. Mookie Betts at number two. And Mike Trout at number one. So, so I forgot Soto and um, Acuna. Yeah, those were the two players I'm that you sorry, missed. Matt. Sorry, but Matthew. The, the but that only... was pretty good. I just want to give myself credit. Yeah, yeah, pretty good there. The only three players that were different in each list were Lindor, Story, and LeMahieu were in the radio list, and Rendon, Yellick, and Bellinger made the top 10 of the TV list. Which of those players would you include on your top 10 list? Uh, LeMahieu, Yelich. And Bellinger, probably. Or Bellinger was on both? Bellinger was... No, he was only on the TV list. Then MLB three, Network Radio three. left him off. Those three. I would say... I would leave Yellick off. I don't think he had a very good season last year. He might bounce back this year, but just based off of last year, I would leave him off. I would put LeMahieu in my top 10. I would put Bellinger in my top 10. And I think Lindor. I think Nolan Arenado is getting a lot of disrespect because he he's a uh, you know he's the best third baseman. Um, I, you have to put DJ LeMay who's your top ten because he is the best hitter in baseball as a pure hitter. Like if if I like gun to my head had to pick one major league baseball player to give me a base hit, I'm probably picking DJ LeMay Like it, it's it's that simple. I mean the guy was hitting. I granted a sixty game season. But hit 400 for like a majority of the season, and you know injuries kind of derailed it towards the end. But he he had a legitimate shot at hitting 400 last year, and so I know he's the Yankee, but the guy has been you know just so consistent and such a, and he's so versatile in the infield. I mean he can play first, second, he can play short if you needed, he can play third. I mean, and he's such a good hitter that you will like. It's it's hard to leave him out, and I I would I would put Cole over Degrom because I think Cole has performed better because of the postseason. Like, granted, Jacob Degrom played the Mets and hasn't really proven it, but like Garrett Cole's been great in the postseason, and the guy basically went a whole year without losing a game, and that and I know wins should matter for Jacob Degrom because he plays for the Mets, but like he still went a year without winning, like losing a game. And that's ridiculous. Like Garrett Cole to me is the best pitcher in baseball. And I, I, I would say Jacob DeGrom second, if we wanted to break down position pitcher position. Yeah. I mean, you can make an argument for either of them. They, they are be both fun debate next week. Yeah. Next week we will do Just, our remember, top 10 list. I will be right. And Matt will be wrong. <laughs> you know, right. I bet you are number one, will be the same, and that's not even a spoiler. Number one, maybe number two, maybe even number three, probably all be the same. I'll bet you $100 to anyone out there that our number one will be the same, and it's from someone who's an Eagles fan. That's all I'll say. I know I'm not – that's that's the hint of the decade. All right, so that's what we've got to look forward to next week is our top ten players list for the 2021 MLB season. Also, make sure to tune in on Friday as we continue our Baseball Across the Commonwealth series. We will be visiting the town of Woodstock, 
talking with Ooh. the Woodstock Brew House and the Woodstock River Bandits of the Valley Baseball League. Looking forward to getting that episode out this coming Friday. Trey, any final thoughts for today's episode of the podcast? No, I just thought about this. Uh, that person, he's. it's not great to be an Eagles fan right now, but it's also not great to be a member of the Los Angeles Angels, even though they have a little bit of hope. Um, so shout out to... Uh, you know, the best player in the world, which is obvious. I'm just having a lot of fun with this. You just reminded me. I, I don't know how we forgot to mention this, but what happened with Albert Pujols last night? First, his wife posts on Instagram that he's retiring. Every media outlet runs with it. And then a few minutes later, Bob Nightingale and Mark Feinzan are tweeting saying that Albert Pujols has not decided to retire. And his wife he's edits the Instagram post. She he's edited the post, though. The original post said, today no, is the first day. If your wife is doing that, then you're, you're retired. I don't like, know. I think he might have been like, hey, babe, you can't post that because I'm not actually Because retiring. he does say he maybe just didn't want to announce it yet or something. Like, uh, But let's let's not argue here. I think it's time. I think he's just you know trying to get certain records at this point. And it's – it's uh, I, I, I don't want to call it quits for a guy because – there's Tom Brady in the world and LeBron James who are, you know, defying human age and proving there's different human species, which I learned uh, a glorious day in Charlotte, North Carolina, when I saw a man by the name of Zion Williamson just nonchalantly do a 360 dunk. And I realized there's different human species in the world. So I won't say that, but I mean, Albert Pujols had the worst, well, for, not for him. He, he'll take the money, but was given one of the worst contracts in MLB history, and I think as it's now going to play out, uh, I don't think I don't see a team signing him. So I think it's time. Yeah, I think it is time for him to retire, and I, I think he probably will. But it, the the whole saga on Monday night was definitely interesting with his wife initially. I didn't see the second Instagram. part, by the way. I only saw the, yeah, so, the wife announcing so his retirement. The she posted and said, "Today is the first day of the last season of one of the greatest careers," and then she edited it like twenty minutes later to say. Today is the first day of the last season, in parentheses, based on his contract. So, seems like yeah, he could so, be hoping for another contract next season. She thought he was retiring. Uh, but I, I think I his know. wife is very realistic. I have a question. Do you see a team signing Albert Pujols after this year? Maybe. Here, Someone posted this on Twitter, and I could see it. If there's a DH in the National League next year, he could go back to the Cardinals, try to reach 700 home runs with the Cardinals. That's the only way I could see it. Also, shout out to the Kansas City Royals for making some moves. Uh, they're going to be uh, – I know we're going to get into predictions, but uh, Royals been making some moves lately. So uh, shout out to them as well. Yeah, going to be fun next couple of weeks as we'll do our top ten list. Next week we will do some predictions leading up to the start of the 2021 MLB season. Woo! Thank you all for listening to the latest episode of the Foul Ball Area Podcast. For Trey Lyle, I'm Matthew Atkins. I get to do the close this time. We'll see you next week. Well, you forgot to uh, say where they could rate and subscribe and follow us on Twitter. So uh, you might want to throw that in there as well. Hint, hint, wink, wink. See, you messed the system up and this stuff happens. All right, we'll just close it out with that. Thank you all for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Follow us at Foul Ball Area. Follow me at Trey Lyle. Follow Matthew at Matkins21. Thank you so much for listening. Now you can close it, Matthew. Thanks for listening to the Foul Ball Area Podcast. Make sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they come out.
Thank you.